All right, now, today we're going to look at something. I have never taught this, like I'm going to tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm, we've been talking about Jesus' uh, prophecies about the last days. Uh, how many of you believe we are in the last days? The last of the last days, okay? And um, Jesus took two chapters in Matthew to answer three questions from his disciples on what would be the signs of his coming, signs of the end of the age, and so on and so forth. And we're going to answer um, that question tonight when Jesus continued, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, you know what, let's pray and then just let me teach it. Lord, we just thank you right now that you are in control of the future and of your universe and of our world. And Lord, right now we pray that you'll open our eyes and encourage our hearts as we look at what you said about the last of the last days just prior to your return. And Lord, we thank you that you're coming back in Jesus' name. Now, church, breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to my heart tonight. In Jesus' name, I receive your word. Amen. Tell your neighbor, God has everything under control. And of course, he doesn't have the clicker under control because it's not working. Really, y'all. Okay. Don't know what to do. Okay, but I didn't do that. And I want to say hi to everybody on streaming video. We're having a technical problem. Okay? Um, so I'm going to let uh, y'all turn to somebody and just tell them, good to see you tonight, and you look better than last time I saw you, and, and stuff like that. And Okay. All right. They're going to fix it while I just get going here. Now, in the last several weeks, we've looked at Jesus' incredible prophecies in response to three questions asked by his disciples following his prediction that the glorious temple would be destroyed. Jesus said that, along with the total destruction of Jerusalem. So here's these three disciples, and uh, well, all the disciples are, were, were there, but three of them took him aside. And Jesus says, hey, basically everything you've known Jerusalem, the temple, the symbol of your religious life, it's all going to be destroyed. Now that's a word, isn't it? That'll, that'll shake you a little bit. Now here were their questions. They said, wow, Lord, really? The temple's going to be destroyed and Jerusalem's going to be destroyed? Really? And then they said, what we would say, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, Jesus responded by predicting many signs for them to look for preceding Jerusalem's demise. And he also looked down through the centuries to our day and predicted signs relating to his return to earth. Now, I'm going to tell you, Jesus consistently through the Bible said, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Even in the Lord's Supper, he said, every time you do this, you do proclaim my death until I return. So can we say together, Jesus is coming back. Now, if you, if you missed the last few weeks, you really ought to grab those CDs because it would bring you up to speed where we are tonight. And uh, so, following his general predictions, which you read about in the first half of Matthew 24, Jesus gave, thank you, Tyler. Give Tyler a hand. It's not working, Tyler. It's not working. 
He's still a good man. <laughs> Following his general predictions, Jesus gave five illustrations and three parables relating to the last days. So, in fact, Jesus' response to the three questions occupied two entire chapters in Matthew, Matthew 24 and Matthew 25. And they are so rich in truth and meaning and purpose for us tonight. So let me, let me look at it. Now let's begin by tackling the five illustrations. Now remember, I said five illustrations and three parables. Jesus spoke in response to their question. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So here's the five illustrations. First, he talks about lightning. My return is going to be like lightning. The second one? He talks about a carcass with eagles or vultures gathered around it. The third one, a fig tree. The fourth one, the master of a household invaded by a thief. And finally, the Lord returning to his household. Now that's five illustrations. Now in the first illustration, let's look at them. Jesus said, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wow powerful. Now this first illustration is totally clear. What is Jesus talking about? It's obvious. It answers the question, what will be the sign of your coming? What did Jesus say? Well, the sign is going to be, I'm coming back like lightning arcing across the sky. Now we all know, we'll see some of it tonight. Lightning is visible to everybody. All right, everybody say amen. amen. Nope. Nothing. Nothing. Okay. Go back, please. Just one. All right. Lightning is visible to everybody. It forms an arc across the entire sky. This is Jesus' point. When I return, everybody is going to see it. That's what he's talking about. Next one. Now, y'all are going to have to follow me real close, okay? Thank you. Likewise, Jesus' return to earth will be as clear as a flash of lightning across the sky from east to west. When he returns, everybody's going to see it. Look at what John the Revelator said in Revelations 1 verse 7. Behold, he is coming with clouds. And read this next part with me. Every eye will see him. Every eye. Even they who pierced him. Now, what does that mean? Because he's going to, the Bible says that even, that every person that has ever died is going to be resurrected. Everyone. Everyone is going to face, boy, tonight is the night I'm telling you, we're under attack here. The stage is falling apart. <laughs> My staff is getting a real kick out of this. All right. Should I get ready to duck? All right. Watch this now. All the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. See, every person that's ever died is going to be resurrected. One to the resurrection of life, the other to the resurrection of judgment. So every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. This is how the coming of Jesus will be, as visible as lightning. Now, Jesus said essentially the exact same thing in verse 30. Let's read it. He said, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Notice he said, that's the sign of the Son of Man. So everybody say with me, he's coming back, and everybody's going to see him. Everyone. Now, the second illustration is this one. 
He says, wherever the carcass is, there the vultures will be gathered together. I used to read that and say, what in the world is that? All right? But this illustration has a judgment application. The coming of the Son of Man will be as visible as lightning flashing across the sky. And his return, folks, is going to be followed by judgment. When Jesus comes in this return, he's not coming as the sacrificed lamb. He's coming as the Lion of Judah. And he's coming to judge a Christ-rejecting, godless world. Now, you know what gets me is there are churches all over America that no longer will even talk about judgment. They won't talk about sin. They won't talk about hell. They won't talk about any of the things that you used to normally hear even 40 years ago, 30 years ago, in pulpits. But I try to balance it out here because the Word does. And the Word of God tells us He's coming back. But when He does, He's coming back to judge. And that ought to put the fear of the Lord in us. Amen? His return will be followed by judgment, illustrated by the dead carcass. Now, as we all know in Texas, vultures feed on dead things. Amen? Hawks and eagles catch them live, but vultures feed on them when they're dead. They swoop in to utterly annihilate what's already dead. We know it as roadkill most of the time, right? Now, Jesus here, catch this, was clearly looking down to the end of time prior to his return. And spiritually speaking, here's what he saw. When Jesus returns, humanity is going to be in a terrible place. Now, we ought to know that in this church because I've preached so much on as it was in the days of Noah as it was in the days of Lot. When Jesus returns, even, listen, he said at one point, he said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Why would Jesus ask that? Because when he returns, the world, by and large, will be godless, will have rejected him, will be living in wickedness, and Jesus likens that to a dead corpse that the vultures of judgment will feed upon. Okay? If we study the book of Revelation, it's abundantly clear that in the end time, mankind will be blasphemous. Read Revelation, how he describes it. They'll be blasphemous, godless, devil worshipers, and lawless. The book of Revelation says that even with all these judgments falling, mankind does not repent. But they continue in their witchcraft, John says. So it's an unrepentant, godless world that Jesus returns to. And so, in light of their condition, Jesus says, essentially, they're dead in trespasses and sins, which is where we were, but thank God, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, saved a wretch like us. So the world in its final days is looked upon by Jesus as dead, and the vultures represent the last process of judgment. Now, that's a really grim picture, isn't it? But it's going to get better, so everybody say, thank God. Now, there's a progression in these illustrations. First, you've got Jesus answering the questions, and he says, first, lightning. I'm gonna, my return is going to be like lightning, visible to all. And when I return, it's going to be followed by judgment. And mankind is going to be essentially dead in their sins, and the vultures of judgment are going to feed on them. But then he moves on. His return will be as visible as a flash of lightning, His return will usher in judgment at a time of great apostasy and sinfulness, just as the conditions were in the days of Noah and Lot. 
And Jesus told us that in Matthew 24 and Luke 21. As it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be. And both of those generations saw the judgment of God. Our generation is going to be that way. The generation that sees his return. So, that's the first two illustrations. Now he goes to the next one. And he talks about a fig tree. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you know that his return is very near right at the door. Now, if you read Luke, Luke adds four words that Matthew does not. He says, behold the fig tree and all the trees. So Jesus isn't singling out the fig tree in particular. He's simply drawing an analogy from nature. That's, that's all. Now, in our backyard, how many of you have an oak tree in your yard somewhere, front or back? All right, we have an oak tree. It's huge. I just got it cut back some a couple of weeks ago because it was banging on my roof and I mean, the thing was just huge, scraping against windows at night at two in the morning when it was windy, wondering who's out there. So, anyway, but it's a beautiful tree. And every spring, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but it first sprouts these fuzzy caterpillar-looking things that fall all over our yard, and they've got to be raked up. And every year, Kathy says, it's never been this bad. It has never been this bad. That looks terrible. And it does. It looks terrible. It looks messy. These little fuzzy little caterpillar looking things come out before the leaves do. And they just fall all over everything. Then the leaves sprout. Now when we see those fuzzy looking little things, you know what we know? Spring has sprung. Spring is here. Alright? Now follow closely what Jesus is saying to us. He says, First lightning, vultures, and a carcass. But these negative things are leading to a positive, to something better, to summer. And that is the return of Jesus to set up a whole new kingdom and a whole new world. So, so these illustrations are progressive. One leads to the next, leads to the next, leads to the next. Wrapped in a beautiful picture, Jesus is likening his return to the approach of summertime. All right? Now, there will be signs leading up to his return that are harsh and hard, illustrated as stormy lightning, judgment, vultures, worldwide spiritual death. But all of this is a process leading to a much better day, summertime. Here's the way, uh, for instance, the, the prophet Isaiah describes it. He says, the lion will lay down with the lamb. All carnivorous activity will stop. And the lion will lay down with the lamb. And they will beat their swords into plowshares and there will be war no more. Why? Because the Prince of Peace has returned to the earth and is now ruling the world with a rod of righteousness, a scepter of righteousness, and the devil is bound and flesh is bound and finally there is real peace on earth. So he's telling us, when you see all these things, you know that that beautiful time period we call the millennium is on the way. In the last two illustrations, Jesus turns to the responsibility of his people, the church, 
as they await his return. So he's told us there's going to be some harsh times. Then you're going to see springtime coming and summertime coming. My return drawing near. And he says, now in the last two illustrations, let me talk to you about you and how you are to conduct yourself and what your heart is to be set on and, and how you're to live your life in light of these things. So he's going to talk about personal responsibility of you and me, the church. So the fourth illustration goes like this. Jesus says, understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Now catch this. Jesus here is illustrating the need for vigilance. Everybody say with me, vigilance, alertness, and watchfulness. He says, in light of these things I've told you, you better be vigilant, you better be watchful, you better not get lackadaisical, get lukewarm, kind of drift away. He says, in light of these things, I am appointing you to be a watcher, a watcher, a watchman, somebody who understands the signs of the times, somebody who is waiting for his return and ready to be in glory with him. We don't want to be taken by surprise. We don't want to be taken aback. And that's what Jesus' message is here. He's illustrating the need for vigilance, alertness, and watchfulness. We have a man who owns a house. That's his illustration. And unbeknownst to him, a burglar has set his sights on his home to rob that home. But the real message of the illustration is that Jesus is comparing himself to the burglar. In this illustration, Jesus is the burglar. Just as a burglar strikes without warning... So Jesus will return, folks, without warning. Do you know how often he said that? Do you know when he returns, most of the world is going to be in total shock? Just like they were in the days of Noah, and just like they were in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the message of the Word of God. And I believe I am preaching in the generation and to the generation that by and large is not going to be ready for his return. Church folks will, that is the ones that are saved, because there's people in church that aren't saved. But the world is going to be caught by surprise. The Bible talks about this theme over and over again. The Bible's filled with these illustrations. Paul wrote, look what he said. Paul said, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come, how everybody? Like a thief in the night. How does a thief come? Does he call you and say, hey, I was thinking about your house tonight. Does he do that? Does he come ring the doorbell, knock on the door? Does 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 he shout to you from outside the house and say, hey, I've got you marked. Does he do that? A thief, a thief comes when you don't expect it. And that's how he's successful. Because you don't know he's coming. Jesus said, that's how I'm going to come. I'm going to come like a thief in the night. Most of the world is going to be eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, making a profit, living their lives. And just as Jesus said about those in Noah's day, he said, they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. For 120 years, I want you to think with me a minute. This always blows my mind when I really think about this. God comes to Noah and he says, I'm done with the human race. I'm, I'm done with, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to judge the entire world, Noah. I want you to build an ark. 
and I'm giving you 120 years. At the end of 120 years, the judgment's coming. And the Bible says in Hebrews, Noah moved by fear. He believed the word of God. Moved by fear, prepared the ark to the saving of his household. So for 120 years, I want you to think about how long that is. 120 times 365 days. Here's this man. They all think he's a great big joke. They think he's crazy. They think he's loony. They think he's lost it. He's the brunt of all the kids' jokes on their way to school. Oh, there's the old man, the crazy old man, building that big old boat when there's no water. And not only that, but he's telling us that water is going to fall out of the sky. Can you believe he's saying that? Because you do know it had not rained. Do you know that? Mist came up from the earth. That's how the plants were watered. There, there had not been rain. So he was predicting the arrival of something in the sky that had never been. What are we predicting? The arrival of something in the sky that has never been. And he's, so he says, it's going to rain. Repent, turn to God, get your life right, get ready for the judgment. And if you want to be saved, you've got to get into my boat. What is our message? Judgment is coming. And if you want to get saved, you've got to get into the ark of the new covenant, whose name is Jesus. And he's the only boat that floats in the time of judgment. Okay? So they hear this day in and day out for 120 years. And after all that time, he has not one convert. Pastor Corey, would that discourage you? 120 years, not one convert. I would, have, I would have assumed way before then that I wasn't called to preach. But see, Noah didn't judge his calling based on results. He judged his calling based on obedience to what God told him to do. So here's what happened when the final day arrived. God said to Noah, okay, I'm going to start calling the animals. And two by two, the animals came to the ark. Do you believe that, Jeff? Of course I believe it. He spoke and they were. The, the, he, the animals know their maker. The, God brought every one of them before Adam to name. Of course I believe it. And so God spoke and they began to come. Two lions, two bears, two cheetahs, two leopards, two possums, two snails made their way slowly up that plank. Two birds of every kind, you better believe I believe it because they know their maker. And, and Jesus did this when he was in the boat with the disciples. He, he said, cast your net on the right side. I'm going to call the fish to you. And those nets almost broke because of the great catch. Because that which has been created obeys what created it. And so, so all these two of every kind start coming into the ark. And they're all finally in there. I would give anything if I could have seen that. Elephants, hippos, rhinos. They're all in there. I don't know where he put the skunks. We put them somewhere. Now watch this. Then it says, God shut the door. God shut the door. You know why God did it? So that Noah wouldn't have it on his conscience that he had shut it. Because once that door was shut... Pitter, patter, pitter, patter. The rain began to fall. They all look up. 
what is this water coming out of the sky? Began to splash on their faces, wet their hair, wet their clothes. They're, they're looking around, and then they're watching it rise. They start panicking. They bang on the ark. They can't get in. And God told Noah to build it with pitch, which is a soundproofing agent. I don't believe Noah and his family could hear it. And finally, that ark was lifted up by the water, and the water rose, and the people ran to the highest hills and the highest trees, but it eventually covered every tree and every hill to the highest mountain. The entire globe became a wash with water. And it happened when no one thought it would. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah. They were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, going, make, doing their business, making a profit. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. Peter likewise writes these words. The day of the Lord will come as a thief unexpectedly. Look what he says is going to happen. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. The first time God judged the world with water, he said, I'm never going to do that again. But he is going to judge it by fire. And Peter just said, the entire, all the elements on the earth are going to melt. All the works of men are going to melt. And God's going to create a brand new earth. He's going he's to totally renovate planet earth it's going to be brand new now in light of this we the church are to ever watch and be sober as i like to say and remember this plan your life like jesus won't come back in your lifetime but live your life like he could return today don't be like these people that you know i'm going to put on a sheet and go to the top of a mountain and wait for him to come back and they don't do anything in their life I know people that never went to college, never went to school, never did anything with their life because they were so convinced Jesus was going to come back and it wouldn't matter. But no, you live your life like he's not coming back. That is, you plan something, you do something with your life, but you live morally and ethically and godly like he's coming back today. Now we come to the fifth and the last illustration. Are y'all being blessed tonight? This is good stuff. Now, here's the fifth illustration. And it links very, very closely to the fourth one. He says, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. Now pay close attention. Here we immediately hear the word responsibility. Jesus' last illustration is of the master of a house, the Lord of a house, who's going on a journey. And going on a journey, he leaves the responsibility of the care of his house to his servants. He's talking about the responsibility of the watchers. The watchers are to be careful to watch themselves as well. With this final illustration, we see that the end of the age is drawing very near. The signs of approaching judgment are clearly seen. We don't know when the master of the household will return. Jesus continues with the illustration. Look at what he says. If the master returns, who's he talking about returning? Jesus himself. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a what, everyone? A reward. There will be a reward. 
Not only can you be saved, but you can get rewards in glory. And yes, there are going to be differing rewards in glory. Now, Jesus said in verse 47, I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all that he owns. So he that is faithful over little is made ruler over much. If you're faithful here in this lifetime, church, you know what Jesus said? He's going to put you in charge of much more in the life to come. Did y'all catch that? Because we're not going to be sitting on a cloud with wings playing a harp, bored. That's not heaven. God's going to keep right on doing things. God is, God is, listen, we're not going to take an eternity long vacation. God is going to bless those who are faithful here with glorious responsibility in the hereafter. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the master of that house, uh, a master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. So here we have the promise of reward for the faithful watcher. How many of you would love a reward in glory? Seriously? Come on. Now, you know, and who knows what it will be? I hope my reward allows me to fly places. Do you know when I was a kid, I'm going to be honest with you here, I digress just for a minute. I've always wanted to be able just to fly. I used to, my, my, my boyhood superhero was Superman. Man, I left school every day and I ran home, turned on that black and white TV, sat down and I watched Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. And I loved it when he would land and the bad guy would shoot at him and the bullets would deflect off of the S on his chest. I said, man, I want to be like that. And it got to me. One day, I got a towel. I pinned it to my back. And I climbed my house. Stood at the edge. I'm... Superboy, this is really going to work. And I jumped. You know, it didn't take two seconds to realize I was in a dream world because I hit and I hit hard and never again did I believe it. Now, that's just one of my little stories. I really did. Now, but guess what? I hope that in, in glory, God lets me fly. Jesus did it. He would think and be somewhere. Anyway, that, that's a prayer, Lord. But look, but then Jesus talks about the evil servant, the one that does not anticipate his return. He says, but what if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and he began beating the other servants. Look at this guy. This is a child of God. He began beating the other servants, partying, and getting drunk. Now, everybody read the next four words with me. I'm going to count to three. Let's all try together. Ready? One, two, three. The master will return. When? When he's beating his servants, when he's getting drunk, running around with the wrong people, the master will return. Unannounced and unexpected. And Jesus said he will cut the servant to pieces. Wow. Jesus said that. And they talk about the Old Testament God. Jesus said that. And assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, these last two verses show us how we're to be ready for his return. Are you ready? This is a revelation to some of you. The servants, us, are left in charge of the house, the church. 
while the master leaves on a long journey. I think it's interesting that Jesus said long journey. It's been 21 centuries now. And the responsibility of the watchers is to treat the other members of the household like the master would have treated them. This is the person next to you. This is church people, born-again people, God's children. Here's how Jesus described the way we're supposed to treat each other as giving them food in due season. Now, what could that be? I believe that could encompass walking in love, encouraging one another, caring for one another, praying for one another. I believe it also points to leadership, but not only to leadership, but also to leadership to be sure to feed the flock of God that is among you, give them their food in due season. Do you see how Jesus is telling us, while the master is gone, here's what I'm going to be looking for, how you want another one another, how you care for one another, how you love one another, how are you behaving in the house? There can be no watching for the coming Lord on the part of people who are, first of all, behaving as they ought not toward each other. So the true test of vigilance in the mind of the absent Lord is right behavior within his own household. Wow. Shouldn't that be read to the whole church in America right now? That verse right there? So even though you don't agree with all the other God's people, even though you might disagree on certain things, we're still to love one another. We're still to care for one another. We're still to embrace one another. We're still to do our best to get along with one another because that's giving each other the meat in due season, the goodness of the kingdom of God. Now, he ends his last illustration by talking about abuse run wild in God's house. The abuse begins with unbelief, and it always does. You never walk away from God until you first step into a level of unbelief. So the evil servant says, my master delays his coming. That's unbelief. This servant said, you know, he's not coming back, man. It's been 21 centuries. I've waited and waited. History, all the church, all through history has waited. He's not coming back. There's no judgment. There's no return. So I'm going to do what I want, live the way I want, go where I want, with whom I want. Because there's no judgment. I'm not going to face him. My master delays. You know what he loses? The fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. And this opens the floodgates. He begins drinking to drunkenness. He begins beating the other household members and hanging around with lost people. That's what he's doing in Jesus' own words. And the master finally returns on a day when he's not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of. And he is cut into and judged with other hypocrites, resulting in weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, church, let's say together, he's coming back. So notice, now keep in mind with me, that Jesus is still answering those three questions. What's the sign of your coming? And of the end of the age, what can we look for? What's it going to be like? What do you have to say to me, Lord, about the future, both near and distant? And now, with these five illustrations, Jesus has us at the end of time, just prior to his return. And he said, you need to be loving one another in the house. And don't ever say, my master delays his coming. 
Because when you say that, you start to slide. You start to drift. You walk away. You go lukewarm. You start walking in the flesh. We don't know when he's coming. It could be tonight. When you're driving home tonight and you see lightning, I want you to think about the return of Jesus. So there you have it, the five illustrations Jesus gave to his disciples in answer to their three questions. And as he warned, here's what he said, don't be led astray. Many false Christs and prophets will arise. Don't believe them. Watch and wait, abiding in him, the true vine, and experiencing the strength that comes from true relationship with each other in the household of God, exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and even so much more as you see the day approaching treating one another as Jesus would. You know, I was telling our, our young adults uh, last Friday night, we, we had a great, great new beginning for young adults. And um, we're going we're gonna to officially begin again on the 15th of May. You young adults that are in here, uh, 18 to 35, we're going to begin again May 15th, Friday night. And uh, looking forward to that. It's going to be a great, great launch. But here's the deal. I told them, why do we need a young adults ministry? Why do they need to come together and meet? Because we need to encourage one another, exhort one another, pray for one another. As we see the day of Jesus approaching, that's what he's talking about. So thank God for prophet Jesus. Amen? Amen. Can we stand together tonight? Thank you, Lord. And let's just lift holy hands up towards him. And let's pray together. And Father, I just come to you in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to be amongst those in the house that are ready for the master's return. Lord, help us to put on love. Help us to put on long-suffering and patience. Help us, Lord, to do good, especially to those in the household of God. And Lord, we thank you for that vivid illustration of the lightning and that vivid illustration of judgment and, and, and Lord, how the world is going to be, the condition it's going to be in. And we thank you, Lord, that we see the green leaves beginning to, to sprout as we know that summer is near. And we thank you, Lord God, that uh, you've warned us to be ready as you are going to return like a thief in the night. And we thank you, Lord, that you're going to help us to love one another and to provide food, spiritual food for one another as your return draws near. Now, can you pray tonight, church, and say, Lord, help me to be ready for the return of the Lord. I put on Jesus. I put on love. Lord, thank you for the grace that saved me. In Jesus' name. I'm going to count to three and let's just shout together. This isn't the close. I just want to do it. But let's shout together. He's coming soon. Are you ready? One, two, three. Jesus is coming soon. Yes, he is. Give the Lord a hand of praise tonight. Amen. Amen.